0: Over the last few months, we've been going through a series about the Hall of Faith uh, in which we've seen many who have lived before us as uh, followers of God and in the lives that they've led in moments in which even though life was at times difficult and it seemed uncertain uh, in every regard, that their, their faith was on display, that they obeyed God, they trusted God in the middle of difficulty, of adversity. Uh, that sometimes it's specifically because life was difficult that their faith was more visible to us, where they weren't simply looking to the way that the, the life looked in the world, in, the man's, in man's eyes, but they were looking to what God had promised, what God had already spoken, and they trusted his word, even though their circumstances seemed to be different. A couple of weeks ago, Joe had preached about Moses, and we read in Hebrews eleven twenty four that by faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. And so we see not only is faith on display in the midst of adversity, but Moses' faith was on display when he chose reproach when he chose difficulty and suffering over a life of comfort and convenience and today we're going to look at the faith of Jesus because just like Moses Jesus was willing to leave his status and royalty he was willing to step down and live a life amongst commoners and slaves in our case slaves of sin and like Moses he would liberate the captives he would redeem his people That he would set us free from slavery to our sin, offering us forgiveness and freedom. And so when we consider today the faith of Jesus, we too are going to see his faith on display in the midst of certainty and even evil taking place in his life. That Jesus is willing to walk this difficult path because he's not taking into consideration the the challenges that are going to face his own body or the struggles that he endures in his own mind, but he's going to live by faith, trusting his Father. And in Hebrews 11.1, a summary of this idea of faith, we've read that now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And so as we read some of this narrative about the life of Jesus, I want us to think about what was Jesus looking to? What was Jesus thinking of? Right? What was Jesus considering to be more valuable, just like Moses, where he, he considered the reproach of Christ to be worth more than the treasures of Egypt. And so we had watched that video about the Last Supper, in which Jesus predicts his betrayal, and many times before that, his death and burial and resurrection. That he tells his disciples what the significance of his death was going to be about. It wasn't just some uh, judgment from Rome on a criminal. That wasn't the only thing that was taking place. That in Jesus' mind, he saw what was about to happen as being significant in the kingdom of God, as promises were about to be fulfilled. After the Last Supper, after Judas leaves and goes to betray Jesus to the high priests, they leave after singing that song and they go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And let's read this in Matthew 26, 36. Saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to his disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, for the second time, he went away and prayed. My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And so I want to point out that that Jesus, in his soul, in his mind, all of his human intellect and reasoning, he was very sorrowful. He was grieved. He was heartbroken. He was devastated at the thought of what he was about to endure. And, And while he was mentioning Peter and his friends when he said that the flesh is weak while the spirit is willing, Think about in Jesus' own mind. He had this reluctance in his flesh, right? Some degree of self-preservation, I'm sure, would have been kicking in as he's reluctant about what was about to take place on the cross and the beatings that he would experience. But yet his spirit was willing. He wasn't going to listen to his own mind. He wasn't going to listen to his human reasoning. He was going to trust in God. Hey, Rook, can you spin around, please? Thanks. He was going to trust in God rather than lean on human and mortal understanding. He was going to trust in God rather than taking into consideration the sufferings that would be present in his body. And notice he asked this question when he's praying to the Father. If it were possible, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And so we know what he was thinking about in regards to the cup because of what he said at the Last Supper. It was in reference to his body being broken and his blood being shed. It was in reference to the, the death that he would experience. And he's praying to his father, God, if it's possible, let there be another way. And so we need to consider, was there another way? And the answer was no. The father still chose to have the son drink that cup. That salvation is under, in no other name given among men. That it's only in Jesus by which we can be saved. That Jesus chose to walk this path because there was no other way. That he chose to be obedient to his Father. And notice that, that struggle that was there, that in some ways Jesus did not want to go. Could there be another way, Father? But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That Jesus was willing to surrender his manly will right the the will that he had as an individual in his mind and in his body in order to obey the father that he was choosing to live by faith even when his own mind and his body would have been wanting to do the very opposite right that's evidence of faith he was looking to hope that was going to be on on display that he was willing to trust the father And the reason he had to, the reason there was no other way, and the reason he had to drink that cup is because of us. Because the wages of our sin is death. That we are guilty, we are deserving of death. That we owed a debt we could not pay and Jesus paid a debt that he didn't owe. That he considered his death to be worth paying in order to bring about redemption and forgiveness and freedom and friendship for us to reunite us unto the father a little bit after he prays finally judas shows up with a mob and peter attacks one of these members in this mob with a sword cutting off his ear he was the servant of the high priest and jesus ends up healing this man's ear but notice what he says to peter verse 52 put your sword back in its place for all who take the sword will perish by the sword Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? And so notice that Jesus points out to Peter that he could have walked away at any moment on this journey towards the cross. That if he wanted, he could have pleaded to his father and he would have been immediately rescued And some fisherman with a sword wasn't going to be able to accomplish that. And that even Peter, in his attempts to rescue Jesus, that Jesus was still going to willingly walk to the cross. And he references this idea that how else would these scriptures be fulfilled? He's talking about the people of old that God had spoken through, his prophets, in the word that he preserved in the Old Testament. We're this, this Messiah that God had promised. God had given details about His life and His death. And Jesus is saying, if I'm not willing to do this, those promises would go unfulfilled. And God is not a man that He should lie. God is faithful to keep His promises. And so, we, like Jesus, can have faith in our Father. We can trust the things that He says. right? We can trust our Father God... That he'll keep the promises that he made and Jesus chose to do that for us. And so Jesus keeps the promises, the predictions that had been made. He keeps those by faithfully following through with the plan that God had made. And so I want to point out, in some ways, Jesus did not want to go to the cross. In his mind and in his body, he did not want to go to the cross. But in other ways you couldn't stop him if you tried you could not stop jesus from going to the cross partly because of his obedience to the father and partly because of his immense love for you that you could not stop jesus and think about earlier in his ministry when he first starts telling his disciples about this plan of his being crucified in matthew 16 It says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and be killed and on the third day be raised. That Jesus predicted that this was going to happen to him. And notice Peter, once again, this guy with the sword, earlier on, he's going to rebuke jesus verse 22 he took him aside and began to rebuke him saying far be it from you lord this shall never happen to you but he turned and said uh jesus turned and said to peter get behind me satan you are a hindrance to me for you are not setting your mind on the things of god but on the things of man and so if we tried to talk jesus out of going to the cross we would not succeed right if we tried to protect jesus from going to the cross with our own sword We would not succeed. Jesus was determined. His face was set to Jerusalem, it says, at this stage in his ministry, that he's choosing to walk the path that would end in his own death and crucifixion. That he's choosing to do this thing. That if we tried to make an opportunity for Jesus to escape, to walk away, he would still willingly go to the cross. And what's interesting is in this crucifixion, right? Jesus talks about that Peter's setting his mind on the things of man. That from man's perspective, it looked like failure. It looked like defeat when it's actually victory to the saving of many souls. And in contrast to Peter, I want to suggest that Jesus was not thinking like a man when it came to the cross. He had his mind set on the things of God. That he, by faith, trusted that even in that moment, God was going to be doing greater things. That any reproach and suffering and persecution he would experience would be worth it in the end. He had his mind set on hope that would come as a result of his actions. And and notice the, the wording that he uses about Peter. That Peter, in trying to be a friend, Jesus is saying, no, you're actually being a hindrance to me. You're discouraging me from obeying my father. You're discouraging me from saving yourself and many brethren. That your, your idea, your thinking, your mentality is a hindrance. And so think about when we struggle with faith, that sometimes our own human reasoning or our own bodies are in contrary to the faith that we proclaim. And yet Jesus in that moment, speaking to Peter, he says that type of thinking is a hindrance. And I imagine similarly when Jesus was in the garden, right? that that sort of turmoil that he was in, that deep sorrow, he had to lean into God and come to terms with the fact that he was going to walk this out by faith. That That thinking, if he dwelled there, if he remained in that thinking, it would have been a hindrance to God's plan and blessings in his life. It would have been a hindrance to the entire plan of salvation. And so the faith of Jesus is one that looks like trusting god in the midst of turmoil trusting god when our minds are not reasoning that way and when our bodies are reluctant to go that way right when when our own self-preservation would kick in and be like no i'm not going to go and even our own friends are attacking this mob with a sword to try to protect us right jesus is looking at all of that as a hindrance it's contrary to the faith that he had in his father and the plan that god had for salvation What's interesting about this plan is that it's not as though it was some random accident. That just, it was just some random evil in the world that this had occurred. It wasn't as a result of even the plans of the mortal men or the demons that had concocted it to put the Son of God to death. All right, That in a sense, Jesus' death on the cross couldn't have been accomplished by their own schemes. It was only because he was willing to go along with it. That Jesus says this in John chapter 10, verse 16. And I have other sheep that are not in this fold and I must bring them in also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay my life down that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again this charge i have received from my father and so his death wasn't some random bad thing that happened in our universe because it's broken all right no one took his life from him jesus lay it down Not the mob that came to arrest him, not the high priests that were jealous of him, not Pilate who would sentence him, not the crowd that would yell crucify him, not the Roman soldiers who would carry out this evil deed. No, Jesus chose to go willingly to his own death on the cross. That he laid down his life of his own accord. And he did this by faith, full of hope that it would produce fruit. And so when we think about this moment, right, Jesus' death on the cross, like why would we want to remember this miserable moment in human history? The most heinous thing to ever happen in which we as humans killed the one innocent person that ever lived, right? Why would God let something so awful happen to Jesus? Why would he instruct his disciples to write it down and then preserve it in his word? Why would Jesus at the Last Supper want us To remember this event and take communion, and as Paul says, to do so until his return. Like, why do we as Christians look back at this moment in history that is so heartbreaking? And it's because God in that moment, yes, recognized that there was evil and sin and hatred and death. But also in that moment there was good and holiness and love and life That God displayed his love through the death of Christ on the cross. And so let's consider the faith that Jesus had in this moment. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... This is talking about all the lives that are represented in that hall of faith in Hebrews 11. All of these people that have lived for God before us, sometimes experiencing great suffering and persecution. It says this, Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That we, in our faith walk, we look to Jesus and his faith that's on display. He is the founder of our faith, the perfecter of our faith, and we see the way he responded by faith, trusting the father even when all of life's circumstances even when his own reasoning and his own body would have been wanting to do anything else other than what god was doing in that moment and what was the faith of jesus like in that moment it says it was for the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross that jesus in the midst of suffering saw joy by faith that he saw this hope that was unseen. He saw joy by faith in the midst of that moment. Any hindrance that would try to stop him, he was going to follow through and trust God by faith. And this is the joy that Jesus saw. Jesus saw you with the hope of redemption. He saw you being adopted into the family of God. He saw you being united with this one flock that he, he desired as the one shepherd. And in Romans chapter 5, verse 6, this is what Paul reflects on in the moment of crucifixion. He says this, for while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God, He shows His love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That in the moment of the cross, not only did Jesus have, have joy by faith, but so too was love on display. We saw the depths to which God was willing to go to make his love known to you. We saw the distance that Jesus was willing to walk in order to make salvation available to you. And he did this while we were weak, while we were ungodly, while we were still sinners. The New Living Translation says it this way, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Or I read this uh, quote today, that God didn't love us because Jesus died for us, but Jesus died for us because God loved us, all right? That God loved us even when we were his enemies, even when we were sinners, all right? And it wasn't as though like Jesus died for us and then God can be like, all right, I guess I can tolerate those people now. No, God loved us that he became one of us and dwelt among us and lived a perfect life and was willing to lay that life down in our place for our sin. God loved you even when you were his enemy. Verse 9, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from the wrath of God? Right, That, that we have been justified. We've been made right in God's sight. That Jesus makes us right by shedding his blood. And so just like he said at the Last Supper, there's the significance in his broken body and his shed blood that it wasn't simply a display of his love for us. It wasn't just this token. It wasn't just a message about his love, but it was also producing a good work that made justification possible. All right? It wasn't just God sending this signal of, hey, just thinking about you, sending my love. No, he was accomplishing something in that moment in which our justification, our being made right with God, was achieved. And right, and this is uh, verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God, made friends with God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. And so. Right, The picture that you guys have been coloring, right? You got some of your pictures? I don't know, did you finish them? Can you show the church? Did, you didn't finish it yet? Alright, you can save it for next week. Oh, Rowan's got his. There's some purple-haired Jesus and disciples. Right? You didn't, did you do yours yet? Awesome, awesome. Good job, good job. Right? And so, what is Jesus thinking about at the Last Supper? Right? He's letting the disciples know what His death was going to represent that it was opportunity for the forgiveness of sins and for redemption of humanity, that his body being bruised and broken, that his blood being shed was accomplishing something pur- purposeful in the kingdom of God. And this is what Luke twenty-two nineteen says about it. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. And so what I want you to realize in that moment is that when Jesus thought about his death, he thought about what it would do for you. His body would be broken for you. His blood would be shed for you. That Jesus by faith saw you on the other side of the cross. He endured the cross For the joy that was set before him, his death had meaning in that it was accomplishing something for you. And that's what Jesus saw by faith. Jesus loves you. God's love was on display when Jesus died. And so that's how we can take something like Good Friday and try to reconcile how could that Friday be called good if it's the one in which Jesus died this horrible death but it's because God was showing his love for you. God was making friendship available to you that Jesus chose to do this for joy that was set before him. And so we've got communion during these last couple songs available in the back. And so if you get your heart right with God, if, right, make sure you've prayed and thought about this, that your conscience is clean, and that you can go partake in that, the, the bread and the juice. And I'll let parents decide whether or not their kids are ready for that stage of the game, all right? Because it's something we only do if we've already become a part of his flock, if we're already followers of the the one and good shepherd. If we're followers of Jesus, then we can do that in remembrance of what he's done for us. And so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that, Lord, your mercy is astounding. Your grace is immense. That, Lord, you sought us out when we were weak, when we were ungodly, when we were sinners, and when we were your enemies. That, Lord, the, the thing that we are excited about as a people is not our own good works. We don't boast in ourselves and our own identity, but we humbly acknowledge that, God, we were deserving of judgment. And yet, Jesus, you sought us out because you loved us. You, you sought opportunity to, to, by faith, walk this difficult road to be willing to pay the penalty for my sin, for our sins. And Lord, I thank you that we can look back on that moment and, yes, have a sense of of somber thought about it. We realize how serious our sin is, but we can also recognize that it's for the joy that was set before you that you chose to do that by faith. That, Lord, you've made possible the salvation of many souls And we're so grateful that you would do this for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.